One thing that's very unique about the new graduate nurses as it relates to training specifically is the new graduate nurses as a generation are more um, assertive about specializing earlier versus uh, the previous generations that were perhaps open to being a med surgeon nurse for longer before you go into a, like a, into, a, into a different specialty. No, the new graduates want to be OR nurses or labor and delivery nurses and so on, like almost, almost immediately if they can, but at most, you know, after a year. What are the top concerns of Gen Z nurses and how can we address them as this newest generation of nurses enters the nursing profession in a big way? Let's talk all about it with Dr. Iman Abu Zayed, the CEO of Incredible Health, right here on episode 388 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith, of course, and this podcast is about you, your personal professional development, your nursing career, and the healthcare system in the big picture. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people out there. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And if you'd like to help other people find the show, if you want to do me a solid and leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be awesome. And if you'd like to become a patron for as little as $2 a month to support the show, that's at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. I appreciate all of your support. Please head over to nursekeith.com to find the show notes for this episode. And Iman Abu Zayed, this is your fourth time on the show. And I'll talk a little bit momentarily about what we talked about last time. But Incredible Health has really grown since the first time you and I chatted back on episode 252. And you've got a lot going on over on Incredible Health. And this notion of the of Gen Z this generation that's really coming to the fore right now. What is it about this generation that you think is one of the most important things for us to know? Well, so the first thing that we should all know is that, so this is the fifth generation of nurses that are that is entering the U.S. nursing workforce. Um, and they have a unique set of challenges. And the reason that we need to pay attention to Gen Z uh, as the youngest generation that's actively working in the U.S. nurse workforce is because they're the future, right? They're the future of, of what the nursing workforce is going to be or what they're going to expect. And so they do have different opinions, needs, and thoughts that, that I'm ha- happy to share. Okay. And their needs, opinions, and thoughts are different. Of course, each generation brings its own zeitgeist and they've all grown up in a different world. Gen Zers tend to be digital natives. So they've grown up with digital technologies from their very, very early formative years. Whereas, you know, people my age in their fifties and even people in their forties did not. And we've all had to adapt to digital technologies, but it's, it's a lot more than that. And you did a survey of more than 1,200 Gen Z nurses, and you found that 75% said that staffing shortages were one of their main concerns entering the field. And that must be very disconcerting to new nurses, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So about one, you know, we work with over 600 hospitals and health systems across 25 states. About one third of them, 30% of those employers use our platform to hire new graduate nurses. And then about 20% of the signups on our platform from nurses are new graduates. So we have quite access to quite a quite a lot of them at this point uh, and are able to and are in a position to survey them extensively. So on the topic of understaffing, you know, new graduate nurses, 65% of them already report feeling burnt out within six months of employment. So six months of the, within six months of their very first nursing job, they're already reporting uh, feeling burnt out. 55% of them are not necessarily planning on staying in the nursing profession all the way until they retire, which is, it's a little early to consider checking out, hmm. if that makes sense, right? Um, and then the other thing is, uh, the 79% of them already feel overloaded and overwhelmed during the onboarding process. Um, a lot of that has to do with having inefficient training or um, as a common challenge that's often cited. So yeah, this is there. Let's just say this is a group that's, uh, I guess, starting off on the wrong foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're coming in at a time when we're still in the midst of recovering from the pandemic, even though the pandemic's ongoing, but from that like first couple years that were so difficult. And a lot of them, well, actually most of them were in nursing school during the pandemic, during that like heightened period of 2020 and 2021. So there, I think alone, they were in a bind because they were trying to get clinical training when they couldn't get any, when they couldn't touch any patients. I mean, they've been up against a lot. And then just look at the economy right now and the cost of gas or the cost of food or rent, as opposed to percentage of one's income that you have to pay towards rent. So this younger generation is really getting hit hard. And is is the economy also a big piece of it for them? Yeah, I think the biggest factor is the pandemic, like you like you pointed out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the U.S. nursing workforce has been very detrimentally affected uh, as part of the, you know, due to the pandemic. Uh, we're seeing the highest uh, annual nurse turnover that we've ever seen in the history of U.S. healthcare. Uh, it's at 21% is the average right now. Uh, mm-hmm. It used to be at 17.5% before the pandemic. So that's a very big increase in just a couple of years. Uh, we're also seeing high the record numbers of vacancy rates for nursing as well, because you know we've lost we've lost nurses, uh, and then uh, and then it's, it's been very hard to hire them uh, as well. And then one other uh, you know d- data study that we did earlier this year, uh, just even among experienced nurses, uh, shows that uh, one third of them are planning on leaving the profession permanently by the end of this year. So this is like this is just to paint the picture that this is a very decimated workforce mm-hmm. that this that this new grad that this new graduate cohort is entering into. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. They're 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 starting off with a, a very difficult environment. Yeah, and it's a volatile time because we don't we don't know how this is all, all gonna pan out. And while as we're recording now, I mean the war in the Ukraine is still going on. We've got you know, the cost of food is bouncing around because of, you know, shortage of grain and cooking oil. So all these things do circle back to all of us, right? Because we all have to eat. We all have to put gas in our car. We all have to pay rent, all those different things. And on the show, I've talked a lot over the years about 
generational differences between nurses. And I was working on an article just this morning and I was reflecting on the what is often referred to as the silent generation, that generation who came of age like just around World War II and after World War II. And one thing I was thinking about and writing about was this notion of um, what I'll refer to as brand loyalty in that generation. Like if I look at you know my fiance's dad or I look at other elders I know, like they use the same dish liquid they've always used. They use the same laundry detergent they've used for years. They, they, they stayed with the same employer for 40 years, maybe 50 years, just because that's how it was. And that's, I mean, that's awesome in many ways. But as we've come down through the generations and now Gen Z, it's a different place out there in the, in the marketplace. And what do you hear from employers when they talk about these generational differences and what they're hoping for when they hire someone. Yeah. So what the em- employers are saying is that this, I mean, this generation just operates very differently, right? Yeah. For, first and foremost, they to expect a nurse to stick around for 20, 30 years. I mean, that's just, that's just gone, right? That's, that's the yeah. past. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, you're lucky if, if a nurse stays with you for two years, right? Uh, and so they are changing jobs more often. Uh, and so that has to be considered as well. Just on a, on a positive note, you know, their employers are paying more attention to career advancement, right? And investing more heavily into nurse training. You know, we know that from our study that 41% of new graduate nurses said on-the-job training was the most important consideration uh, when deciding which employer to choose. Mm. Uh, we also know, we also survey all nurses, you know, regardless of generation, and by far, the number one reason why nurses are changing jobs is they're looking for more career advancement, right? So that could mean they're looking to grow their skills. They're looking to specialize uh, in a specific area. They're looking to cross-train. Maybe they're looking to move into leadership. It could mean a whole cohort of things. But that is the number one reason why nurses are changing jobs. It's not compensation, mm-hmm. right? The number one is career. I'm looking for more better career advancement opportunities, Um the second most common, just in case the audience is interested, is I'm looking for a better schedule. I'm looking for more, 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 a more flexible schedule that works for my life. The third most common is something to do with geography. I'm looking for, I need to reduce my commute time or I need to relocate to a different location. And then the last uh, and least common reason is I'm looking for higher compensation. And so we see that very much reflected in the new grad, in the new grad and Gen Z generation too, that by far their number one concern is on the job training. Because uh, they, you know, they're go-getters. They're looking to, you know, they're committed to nursing. They're looking to advance their careers and get, get, you know, get better quickly. Now, yeah. one thing that's very unique about the new graduate nurses, as it relates to training specifically, is the new graduate nurses, as a generation, are uh, more um, assertive about specializing earlier versus uh, the previous generations that were perhaps open to being a med surgeon nurse for longer before you go into it, like a, into a, into a different specialty. No, the new graduates want to be, you know, OR nurses or labor and delivery nurses and so on, like almost, almost immediately if they can, but at most, you know, after a year. Yeah. And a lot of that makes sense to me, honestly, (laughs) as a career coach. And also I coach Gen Z nurses and, you know, I don't think, what they're asking for is untoward or inappropriate. Yep. You know, wanting more flexibility of their schedule. 
Of course they do. And even if they're not yet parents and don't have little kids or whatever, I mean, healthcare should allow for flexibility if possible. And if a whole generation of workers is going to be asking for that within an industry, I think the industry is going to have to respond at some point, or some of these employers are going to start losing out because these nurses are going to choose other employers, right? right. I mean, they're going to, they're going to mark, they're going to vote with their feet, I guess. Correct. And that's already happening. You know, we, we, we already see that the, that the employers that have the, the best retention rates, you know, the lowest mm-hmm. amount of turnover mm-hmm. and are able to easily hire new graduates too, are usually the ones that have invested the most in career advancement. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, a couple come to mind, <laughs> the Stanford team in the Bay Area, yeah. UC Davis team in the Sacramento area. You know, these, these are teams that have been investing in career advancement for, for years and years and years. Uh, and it's really, it's really paying off. Um, whereas other teams have maybe invested in career advancement for the doctors, but they're a little bit further behind investing uh, in career advancement for the nurses. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is affecting their ability to retain their talent, whether it's new graduates or not, or experienced nurses. And it's also affecting, you know, their, their ability to, to attract talent to their team too. Can we drill down into this notion of career advancement for a second? Sure. Um, Okay. So a new nurse, you know, he or she wants to learn all sorts of skills, right? They want to become proficient and move towards some level of expertise at some point in the relatively near future. So, and when it comes to career advancement, we're not talking about like taking on charge responsibilities once a month. I mean, sure, that looks good on your resume that you've served as charge. You know, it's fine to be able to say that. But when you hear about these desires for career advancement, what are they actually telling you? What do they want? Yeah, what what they want is uh, I want to be trained in specific units. I don't want to be just be restricted to the med surge unit, for example. And again, I'm focusing in my comments on hospital nurses mm-hmm. and acute care nurses. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're also, uh, they, they want to have a really seamless onboarding, right? So there is on-the-job training right off the bat, right? When you start at a hospital. Uh, and so they're looking for um, strong, a strong set of preceptors or experienced nurses to show them the ropes. Uh, and even in that, some employers are falling behind, not, you know, not, not, it's, it's, it's a result of a pandemic as well. You know, the ratio of experienced nurses to new graduate nurses has really changed as a result of the pandemic, where there's more, there's not enough experienced nurses to frankly train the new graduate nurses. Mm-hmm. And that's happening in a lot of units, right? So the, these are the kinds of uh, sort of things that they're, that they're looking for. Um, how good is the training during my onboarding? And then what is my path? to becoming a specialized nurse. Okay. So wanting to specialize means that they want their employer to recognize that they have an interest in, let's say, cardiology or critical care, and they want to be able to move on from med surge or telemetry or step down, wherever they happen to be, and they want to be able to go on to the next thing. And the employer has to make these opportunities common so that it's not just the rare person who's able to do that, but it's actually whole cohorts of people who are able to keep moving and make the transition from one area to the next. That's correct. And so top employers have invested in cross-training programs 
So you may already be a nurse at the hospital, but you can now cross train to a different specialty. They've also uh, built residency programs for nurses mm -hmm. so that they can go into specific specialties. Uh, so, so this this comes in. Uh, sorry, there's also HR teams that have asked nursing leaders to put together mobile career mobility plans that are documented. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you always have a line as a nurse, you always have a line of sight into where your career is going or where you're headed. Uh, and, and, you know, so we have some teams that require that a day, you know, day 120 after the start date, <laughs> you must have a career mobility plan documented with your, you know, with your manager. So, so this is really, uh, these are some of the kinds of programs that teams are, are implementing to, to, to support this desire that the talent wants. Let's talk a little bit for a second about new nurse residencies. So nurses reach out to me, new nursing grads, generally younger ones, and they want to get a spot in a new nurse residency. Now, those <laughs> new nurse residency slots can be rare and extremely um, difficult and so competitive to land. And I have a contention, and I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it. I think new nurse residencies should be the norm, not this rare thing that a few people are able to land because they wrote the best essay or had the best grades. I feel like everyone deserves that. Because I think about, I mean, you're an MD. I yep. think about medical residency and I think about the, the training that doctors receive. And I think, why do new nurses have to just get dumped right out into the, into the floor without having more than, you know, a couple of weeks of, of training and, and orientation. So do you hear that from the nurses and are you hearing of more nurse residencies being created or is that a pipe dream of mine? Yeah, no, it's not, not a pipe dream at all. You know, new graduates report that the job search experience is extremely stressful. Right. Mm. Uh, it's one of the reasons, frankly, that we, we that our hiring marketplace exists. You know, they're able to use our free suite of product. New graduate nurses are able to use our free suite of products for job matching, um, for personalized career support and career coaches that they get access to. And they have an advice platform built into the apps too, right? So where they can, they have a community of nurses that they can interact with and ask questions and get highly personalized responses. And we're the, probably one of the first career marketplaces to have a suite of tools and services that are, that are tailored for new graduate nurses. Um, but, but on the topic of, of residency programs in particular, um, first we, we have to remember that, uh, it's uh, for, for a hospital to do anything, there has to be a pretty strong ROI, right? Return on investment. Now, the thing about medical residencies for, for MDs is that they're highly subsidized by the government, by the federal and state governments. Um, and I don't think that's a known fact that uh, there isn't as much government funding that goes into nurse residency programs. And so usually the, it's the hospital itself that's putting the bill. And if it's okay to put the bill as long as the nurses are staying with you after you invested in their training, right? And so some pre-pandemic, it was difficult for executives to justify the investment in the nurse residency programs because they said, hey, you know, after that, the nurse stays a year and then they leave, right? Um, now that's changed since the, over the course of the pandemic. And now they don't have, there's no, you don't have an option <laughs> anymore. You need to do whatever you can to attract and to, and to retain nurses. And part of that is the nurse residency program. So we are seeing an increase in the number of, of hospitals that are offering nurse residency programs, because frankly, they're finding it more and more difficult to hire. 
And they're thinking about their pipeline of nurses over the course of five to 10 years. And, you know, we're seeing more hospitals form relationships with new, with uh, nursing schools in their, in their local areas uh, that have specific programs, feeder programs that go from the nursing school into the residency program. We're seeing the expansion of the residency programs um, into larger and larger cohorts and into more and more specialty areas. Uh, because, you know, when you're, when your back is against the wall, you know, you don't have a choice, right? And that's essentially what's happening in, in, in U.S. healthcare. Now, I will say this, like, the pandemic has been, you know, we hear a lot of the negative stories and impact, right? The turnover, the burnout, the stress, the anxiety. But I think one huge positive that's coming out of this terrible thing that we've all gone through over the last two years is more investment and more attention on nurses. Mm-hmm. And that, that's happening in, in profound ways throughout this country. Like one specific example is the expansion of nurse residency programs. Now, is it still difficult? Absolutely. You know, one of our top tips for nurses, for new graduate nurses is just be geographically flexible, you know, at least in the beginning. You know, 30% of, um, of our employers are using incredible health to hire new graduate nurses. And so that means they're struggling to fill their cohorts with new graduate nurses. And there are many pockets in this country that are having trouble hiring new graduates too. Now it's not going to be the San Francisco Bay area. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be Miami, Florida, but there are many, many um, programs that are great programs throughout this country that are struggling to hire the new graduates. Right. So we need to incentivize this and we need, these employers to step up and offer what is really going to bring them in. And, you know, for new nurse residencies and also sign-on bonuses, there's often, you know, you sign on the dotted line, you have to stay 24 months in order to, you know, whatever it happens to be that's on offer. And those, the penalties for, you know, being in breach of one of those contracts can be fairly stiff. So that can help if you're giving someone a $10,000 sign-on bonus and they know they have to pay it back because they are going to quit within eight months, then that's definitely on them to see if they really want to accept such a bonus and stay. But it sounds like employers' hands are being forced because they just are because yeah, market forces market forces are at play and something's got to give, something's got to happen. So you're you're gathering data about Gen Z nurses, and I'm sure many other nurses too, but you're focusing right now on Gen Z nurses because they're this fast-growing cohort. And we also have to rec- remember that no matter how many negative things older generations might say about a younger generation as they come into the field, those are eventually going to be our leaders you know, like as much as there's been aspersions cast on millennials, you know, I always say, you know, one day a millennial is going to be president. I mean, they're already in Congress, so you better get used to it, right? They're CEOs and they're CMOs and CFOs and they're starting companies themselves. And we, I believe as a society, investing in a younger generation is much to our advantage on many, many levels, you know? I don't need to convince you of that. Yeah. I mean, I am a millennial CEO. So yeah, definitely in agreement with what you're saying. Exactly. I mean, this, these generational shifts can be a little frictional. They can be a little difficult. And we also have to realize that it happens every generation and we need to roll with it because it's important. And I've been 
touting the millennial generation for years about how amazing that generation is. And Gen Z is going to have their own contributions. They already are making contributions. So what else do Gen Z nurses need to know? What do they need to bear in mind as they're coming into the marketplace? You know, what, what can they realistically ask for and what might they need to maybe chill out on a little bit just to kind of get a foot in the door? So, uh, you know, finding a, a, a strong employer that has a great training program, I, I think that's completely justified, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and, sure. and, it, and it's great to keep the bar high there. And we have we work with, with many new graduate nurses on our platform who take advantage of our jo- job matching algorithms and to get to get, you know, matched to the right employers that are that are meeting their needs. Um, I think the couple areas they maybe need to chill out a little bit on is first I, I mentioned it earlier is just like ge- their geographic preferences. Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes in the in the beginning of your career you got to be a little more flexible geographically and go if you really are prioritizing career advancement and your training then, you know, ideally you're open to the entire country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly is just the commitment to stay at the at the employer for at least two years. You know, one of the amazing things about uh, about training and being at a single location for a extended period of time is that it just you just keep getting better, right? And there is a lot you do lose some elements of training and education if you're jumping if you're changing jobs every few months, right? Like that's just a, it's just a fact. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, not at all trying to say you got to stay in the same place for twenty or thirty years. I mean, those days are gone. But mm-hmm. a two year commitment is 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 reasonable. Yes. And a two-year commitment can seem like a lot to a 23-year-old. And I totally understand and appreciate that. But we also, we want them to be able to get their, put their best foot forward and get the grounding they need. And also I tell my clients, you know, if you're, if there's incivility in the workplace, if there's bullying, if there's poor management, if you're not getting the support you need, then by all means leave and find another place. But if you can hang your hat somewhere for a couple of years, that's much to your benefit if possible. And it's, it's a, like I said, it's a volatile world. Things are shifting and changing a lot. The economy keeps everybody kind of on their toes and a little anxious right now. So things are things are just a little uncomfortable, I think, on a lot of levels. And I'm hearing that discomfort from the new nurses, and you are too. So it's not it's not just anecdotal evidence either, because you're you're you have access to the data. You're this is all data driven. So right. you said 65% of new nurse grads feel burnt out in their first six months of employment. That's very disconcerting, but not surprising. 15% feel highly confident in finding a job that will meet their expectations. 15% feel confident. Very low number, yeah. That is very disconcerting as well. And I, I don't like hearing that. And something has to change. And Incredible Health is having an impact on that. And you all have created a great platform. And when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk about this suite for new nurse graduates that you've created, a suite of products that will address the needs of this particular generation. And also the funding that Incredible Health recently received, which I think is pretty significant and worthy of mention. So when we come back from the break, we'll talk about that and a whole bunch more. Does that sound good? 
Sounds great. Thank you. All right. So hang in there with us right here with Dr. Iman Abu Zaid, the CEO of Incredible Health, right here in episode 388. We'll be right back for the second half of the episode. And welcome back to the second half of the episode, number 388. We're here again with my friend and colleague and friend of the pod, Dr. Iman Abu Zayed, the CEO of Incredible Health. Iman, you've been on the show now four times. First was episode 252. We talked about the positive impact of innovative hiring and staffing technologies on the nursing shortage. And that was talking about incredible health as it was really kicking into gear. Episode 278 was about COVID-19's impact on nursing hospitals and racial equality, something that is definitely on everyone's minds and continues to be. And then episode 313, we were talking about the nursing shortage, nurse mental health, and the complex legacy of COVID-19. So there's lots of interesting threads here. And now here we are in episode 388, and we're talking about Gen Z, which is super important. And I want to talk about what you're offering to Gen Z nurses, because Incredible Health does have a lot of services and products for the nurses who sign up. And they can sign up through my website from the resources drop-down menu at nursekeith.com, or they can go right to Incredible Health. And tell me about this new nurse graduate suite and why is it so important to have something so, let's say, custom tailored? Yeah. So the new the new nurse graduate suite is, is a suite of features uh, that are tech enabled, but there's also some human services in there too, uh, that really support uh, new graduate nurses with their job search and with their and with their careers overall. Um, you know, our goal at Incredible Health is not just to be the place where nurses find their permanent roles, but it's also the place where they manage their career. Um, specifically for new graduate nurses, they have access to um, our personalized job matching algorithms. Uh, what that means is, you know, you create a profile on Incredible Health, you add your preferences and what you're looking for. And our matching algorithms are matching you with employers uh, that are looking for the same thing. And, you know, like like all the other nurse experiences here, the employers are going to apply to you, the nurse, instead of the nurse applying to the, to the employer. Uh, so we really flipped it around where employers apply to the nurse instead of the nurse applying to the employers. Uh, in addition to the matching algorithms that they have access to, um, and, and like I said earlier, 30% of the employers on our platform so far are actively using us to hire new graduate nurses too, is that we have personalized career support too. So when nurses are using Incredible Health, they have access to a talent, what we call our talent advocates. Uh, you can think of them as career coaches uh, for the nurses. They're helping with interview preparation. They're helping them evaluate offers. Uh, and so you have access to that service for free. Uh, all the tools at, on, on Incredible Health are free for nurses. And then finally, you have access to what we call our advice platform. So in our iOS and Android apps, you have access to the biggest online community of nurses in, in, the, in, the, in the world, honestly. Uh, and this is a group of U.S. nurses who are engaged in that uh, community. Every nurse that signs up for Incredible Health has access to it. And you can ask highly specific questions. So for example, hey, I'm looking to you know, expand my skills in the ER. We will automatically ping the ER nurses in our database who come in and give you highly personalized answers. And, and a, a whole range of topics is covered. And you can ask whatever questions you want. You can even ask questions anonymously if you want. 
Uh, and so uh, that that that's a career that's a resource that's available to you that we call our advice platform. That's great, and that'll put me out of business, but that's okay. I'll, I'll <laughs> Not figure at all. it out. I'm sure you give you give far more uh, <laughs> detailed and intense career advice, Keith. <laughs> well, I can, I can pivot and figure it out, no problem. So you do you do your you do you. So, um, so you're offering all these services to new graduate nurses, which is really important because they need to feel supported. And one thing that I do perceive from a lot of new grads is that they feel pretty isolated and alone. You know, they pass the NCLEX, they're entering the job market. Maybe their nursing program had a two-hour workshop on resume writing and career development. Maybe, perhaps, maybe not. And, you know, they might have learned how to use LinkedIn, perhaps, maybe not. So they don't really have a whole lot of skills because the schools don't cover that. And we obviously don't talk about these things in high schools by any stretch of the imagination. So most new grads who are in their 20s, and this is their first real major career in their lives as professionals, they need some support. And Incredible Health has this kind of disruptive technology where the employers apply to the nurse instead. So how does that really work? Like, what does that look like? Uh, so what that looks like is, uh, you know, let's talk about it from the nurse's perspective. So mm-hmm. you create a, you create a profile on Incredible Health, you know, through our website, incrediblehealth.com, or, you know, through our iOS or Android apps. Uh, and it's completely free. Everything on Incredible Health is free for nurses. So you create a profile, you're entering your experiences, your background, and your preferences. Um, and uh, after that, you're going to go through an automatic screening process that includes, you know, our screening team as well. And what we're doing there is where our, our uh, automatic screening technology is verifying things like your licenses and your, your certifications and your malpractice records and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then uh, after that, you go into what we call our matching algorithms. And the matching algorithms are custom built. And they are um, matching based on uh, based on lots of criteria, at least ninety different data points. Um, you know, the nurse to the employer, and the employer to the nurse. And the result of these matching algorithms is: let's say you're a let's say you're a nurse recruiter on at a hospital, and you log in. Like, you don't really want to see two hundred and seventy six nurses. Like, you need to see like eleven that are fit for you at the time. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing if you're a highly sought after ICU nurse, OR nurse, or a new graduate nurse. You know, in these markets that really need that are struggling to hire new graduates, you you, you don't want to hear from a hundred employers. You know, you want to hear from four or five that are the right fit for you. And so that's the experience on the nurse side. The 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 employers are sending you interview requests, and as a nurse, you get to choose which interviews to accept or decline. Um, as you go through the interview process, you have the support of a talent advocate or a career coach uh, to make sure that you land you know the best the best role that's that's best permanent role that's that's great for your career. I see. And does this process preclude like the need to have a resume, the need to write a cover letter? Interviews obviously have to happen, but do those normal parts of the job search process, do they necessarily still need to be part of the calculus? Yeah. So cover letter, definitely not required. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. But, and then your nurse pro, your pro, incredible health profile can replace a resume because we're, you know, you are completing many of the fields that are in a resume, but also just, if you want to shortcut all of that and skip all of that, you can also upload your actual resume and mm-hmm. we'll take care. We'll take care of it from there. Yeah. And it's still a good idea to have a resume because you just never know 
when you're going to need one. So no matter how much you're using these technologies, I think it's always good to have a resume on a word processing document and a PDF on your computer because you just don't know what's going to come, what's going to happen. Even for opportunities like you want to be on the board of a nonprofit and they ask you for your CV or your resume. So it's always a good idea. And I'm glad you allow the opportunity for them to upload it to to the website. And I wanted to pivot here for a second or more than a second and talk about your career. You're a medical doctor and you have an MBA from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, which is a very um, prestigious school of economics, right? Yeah, the School of Business and Finance, yeah. What's your view of the, the medical field right now? Because I know that the Bureau of Labor and Statistics says that, you know, career growth for MDs is at an all-time low. It's like in the single digits right now. Nursing actually is only around 9%. So for MDs like you, what are they facing out in the marketplace? I'm just curious what you hear. Yeah. Uh, so I would say just at a, at a macro level, you know, our demand for healthcare as a country keeps increasing because our population mm-hmm. is aging, right? And mm-hmm. as the population ages, there's more and more demand on the healthcare system. Of course, pandemics don't help, right? Those are demand shocks on the health system. Yes. But the supply of workers, whether it's nurses or doctors uh, or pharmacists or physical therapists, you know, take any, any, all of the allied, allied health professions has mm-hmm. not kept up with the demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's happening. There's, we have several, several bottlenecks in our system. The first bottleneck is uh, how many ner- how much capacity can nursing schools and medical schools and pharmacy schools handle? You know, they're, they're, they're dealing with extremely long wait lists. Tens of thousands of people actually want to go to nursing school or medical school, but the schools cannot handle more capacity, right? Mm-hmm. And they can't handle more capacity because they don't have the facilities. And more importantly, they don't have the faculty to do the training because mm-hmm. uh, there's a shortage of the faculty too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another bottleneck that's happening right after school. We just talked about, you know, we spent the first 30 minutes of this call talking about it around there's not enough training uh, of nurses and frankly, even of doctors. Hmm. So that's another bottleneck that's that's being created because, you know, you have to eventually um, become a, you know, ambulatory nurse or a surgical nurse or whatever. Right. And then finally, another big bottleneck that's happening is at the end of their careers. And that's retirement. Yes. We the average age of a nurse in the U.S. today is 52 years old. Right. Amazing statistic, like one third of nurses are, are going to retire in the next five years. And the same is happening with this aging medical profession, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when you have these like large, say, demographic impacts like that, ball and like happening in, at, before school, right after school and at retirement, it, it becomes extremely difficult for the supply of workers to keep up with that demand, even if there are lots of Americans that want to go into these professions, which there are, there's huge amounts of demand for these professions. Good point. Right. And for you personally, when you became a medical doctor, what was your vision for yourself? Like what, what did you think was going to happen with your career? Yeah. So look, I come from a family of doctors. My, my, I remember that. Yeah. My father, my older brothers, they're all, they're all doctors or they're, they're all three year surgeons actually. And so I, I went into medical school thinking like, Oh, this is like what you do. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was probably towards the end of medical school that I realized that for myself specifically, I really wanted to have an impact on a larger scale. 
Um, and don't get me wrong, one-on-one -on -one patient care is amazing. I think these professions are fantastic, whether you want to be a doctor, a nurse, whatever, you know, these, these are great professions. I mean, you're providing an essential service at the end of the day. Um, and uh, really just wanted to have an impact on a larger scale. And you can do that with technology. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's sort of where I like really started to gear my career more towards that. Um, choosing not to do residency. Uh, doing uh, hospital operations and strategy in management consulting firms like McKinsey and Booz Allen, doing my MBA at Wharton, and then eventually moving to the San Francisco Bay Area uh, and really getting into, into technology startups. Yeah, which is great. And this whole matching technology, which you've developed at Incredible Health, is speaking for itself because of the funding that you've you've achieved. And you're the fastest growing career marketplace for permanent healthcare workers. And you just secured $80 million in Series B funding, and your valuation is now at $1.65 billion, which means you have you, its unicorn status, which you explained to me means that you have more than a billion dollars in funding, in, which in is valuation. rare, in, valuation. in, value, in valuation, yeah. Yeah. not funding. So that means that it's a unicorn because it's a rare thing. So why is Incredible Health attracting so much investment? What are investors seeing in this particular, let's call it disruptive technology? Yeah. So uh, what they're seeing is just a huge vision and mission, you know, the vision of helping healthcare professionals live better lives, the mission of, help, of uh, helping healthcare professionals find and do their best work. They see our traction you know, we've grown, we've grown top line revenue in 2021, over 500%. We've grown from, you know, 150 hospitals in 2019 to over 600. Now we work with very large health systems like HCA healthcare, Kaiser Permanente. We work with academic medical centers like Johns Hopkins and Stanford mm -hmm. and Cedar sinai and lots of community hospitals too. Um, we have over 10,000 nurses sign up for the incredible health platform using one of our many services um, every single week. Uh, and so they're seeing quite a lot of, you know, growth and traction too, as we expand and we're, we're now live in 25 states. Um, and so it's, it's all of that in combination, uh, is what they're seeing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're just very fortunate to be in a position to raise this capital, um, of 80 million, you know, to date, we've raised about 97 million for incredible health. And we are now the highest value tech enabled career marketplace for healthcare workers in the U S today. And, you know, we have plans for that capital, right? Um, you got to do something with it, right? Mm -hmm. So um, first and foremost, we want to continue investing in tools and services that are free for nurses and then eventually for other healthcare workers too. So I've, I think I've talked on your program about our free continuing education for every single nurse in the country, which is accredited in all 50 states. We spoke about the advice platform. We, we you know, um, we spoke about the, the talent advocates and the and that, that the nurses have access to, but really where we wanna invest in next is just be more heavily involved in skill growth. Um, we also have plans to set up educational scholarships for nurses too. And want to invest more in uh, in cross training uh, services as well as more um, you know, abilities for nurses to advance their careers using our platform. And so, really, uh, want to heavily invest there. Secondly, we're going to continue to invest in automation and machine learning now uh, to automate every single part of the hiring workflow. That includes the screening, the matching, like literally every single step in hiring. We want to make it more and more automated, more and more personalized. Uh, now, with the benefits of machine learning. And then, um, and then finally, you know, it's, it's about expansion and growth as well, right? We want to bring incredible health to 
all nurses in the country, not just those in, you know, in, in 25 states and, and want to expand beyond the nursing profession as well to other healthcare professions that can, that can benefit from this and other types of employers beyond acute care hospitals, uh, you know, with surgical centers and urgent care and skilled nursing and so on that can benefit from a product like this. That's fantastic. And, you know, just this morning I was talking to a client who lives in Minnesota and I was, I checked your website to see if you were in Minnesota yet. And I was like, damn, not yet. You know? Yeah. We actually just about to start in Minneapolis. So we're signing up for first employers there. Good. Well, she's, she's in Minneapolis or moving to Minneapolis. So, you know, I'm always looking at the site when I'm talking to a client, if I'm recommending they consider signing up and I'm, I always check to see what States you've expanded to and it's 25 is, is good and you're on your way. And in terms of other healthcare providers, other professionals, you, I mean, you've doubled down on nurses throughout this whole process. And this is where all your venture capital has come from. It's really nursing, 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 you know, wall to wall. But at some point, you mentioned that you'd like to expand into the other professions. Which are the professions do you feel are most beleaguered right now in terms of finding jobs, getting out of school, you know, all the things that nurses are faced with? Are there any that stand out for you at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think we've decided yet exactly which ones we're going through, but there's many, there's several that could could benefit from, from this and have similar challenges that the nurses do. Uh, so the uh, doctors, the physical therapists, the pharmacists, mm-hmm. uh, the respiratory therapists, the hmm. um, you know many of the allied health professions uh, beyond beyond the doctors and nurses can benefit from something like this. We also hear it from our, the employers that we work with. They're always asking us, "Hey, when are you going to expand to clinical lab scientists? When are hmm. you adding respiratory therapists?" Um, and so there's definitely. Uh, challenges on both sides, both on the employer side and on the talent side in these other professions too, which was, it resembles nursing. Now I'm sure it's not going to be exactly like nursing, right? Um, Each of these professions has their own nuances that we're going to have to figure out from an R and D standpoint as well. But yeah, definitely shortages all over the place. Yeah. And when those, you know, when those employers are asking you about these other professions. So they're hungry for help in terms of bringing people in. So it doesn't matter whether it's PTs or speech language pathologists or MDs, they're definitely feeling the crunch. And that I know you are focused a lot on hospital systems because that's, I don't know, 55 to 65% of nurses work in acute care. That's right. Do you foresee more and more positions coming up on incredible health that are outside of the acute care space in the future yes uh the future. So, you know we already work with health systems today that have most they're using us mostly for acute care but we do have systems that are using us for their for their home health settings and their ambulatory settings and their outpatient settings but mm-hmm. as far as like a full-blown focus on those that are exclusively surgical centers or exclusively urgent care uh, that's that's you know hopefully in the years to come Yeah. Because I, you know, I hear from a lot of nurses. I mean, I can't even tell you how many who want to leave the acute care bedside, whether they're newer nurses who've done their couple years and they're like, 
I need out. Or there are experienced nurses who just say they're ready. And maybe the pandemic has been one of those motivating factors for them to say, you know what, I'm ready to work in a clinic or I'm ready to go to dialysis or home health. I've just, you know, I've done my bedside stints and I'm ready. So I I really encourage Incredible Health to consider that because I'm I'm seeing it, I'm hearing it so much. And of course, we need to keep that hospital nurse funnel filled, but then there's all these other aspects of healthcare that we need to, we need to feed as well. Don't we? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So Iman, um, before we go, one is I want to ask where people should go when they want to connect with incredible health. I know it's incrediblehealth.com. Are there things the nurses can access like the CEs and the free salary estimator without signing up and uploading all their information and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So they can they can sign up on incrediblehealth.com. They can download our iOS and Android apps. So we're just we're incredible health in both the App Store and the Play Store. And yeah, if you're using us for continuing education or for the salary estimators that we have or the community, there is a shortened onboarding flow, right? Okay. So yeah, where you have that, it's a, it asks far fewer questions than than using our hiring marketplace. Okay, so there's two different ways to get in there, and if they're not actually wanting to look for a job and enter the marketplace, they can still make use of the services and the products you have on there. Exactly. That's great. And are you all on social media and where do you feel like you're strongest? Where would they look on social? Yeah, we, we're on all the social media platforms. Um, on Instagram, we're Incredible Health. Uh, on uh, Twitter, we're Join Incredible. On LinkedIn, we're Incredible Health. And on Facebook, we're Incredible Health. Okay. Great. So- yeah, feel free to engage with us on any of these social media platforms. Oh, I should, my marketing team will be, and we're also on TikTok. <laughs> of okay. course, we're talking about Gen Z nurses, right? So yes, yeah, we're very that's active true. on TikTok as well. Yeah. Very good. Okay, good one. They'll be very happy you threw that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well done. Now, since you were last on the show, I've added a little feature at the end, and there are four quick questions I ask all my guests, and they don't really have to do with what we've been discussing specifically. Are you game for four quick questions? Sure. Yeah, let's okay. do it. This is, these are fun. So the first one is, how do you define success personally and or professionally? I define success by the amount of, by the impact that I can have on, on helping people live better lives. Great, that's concise and beautiful. All right, number two, could you name, or if you don't want to name them, you could just describe them one person who's inspired you in the course of your life, they can be living or dead. They can be famous or not famous. Just one person who you'd like to kind of call out. Uh, I'll name a, a couple, if that's okay. Sure. Um, so uh, Serena Williams, Beyonce, Oprah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So these are uh, black women who are just at the, who reach the epitome of their, of their fields. Uh, they're they were like literally number one in their area in their area of expertise, uh, and uh, they did that clearly through a ton of hard work, through some very um, through and, and with a very strong mindset as well. And you know they didn't they didn't come from that much either, right? So they mm -hmm. really really did work their way to the top. So they're real role models for you. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, in you know they're in different industries, but they're still role sure. models. Sure. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. 
Okay. Is there a book or even a movie, and it doesn't have to be an absolute favorite, just one that comes to mind, that's had a pretty major impact in either the way you think or the way you live your life? Yeah, absolutely. Probably the book that comes to mind is uh, the hard, the title is The Hard Things About Hard Things, and it's by Ben Horowitz, um, Mm. who is a famous, you know, he is. the venture capitalist behind Andreessen Horowitz. And he was before that, before uh, doing, before being an investor, he was CEOs of many technology companies too. Um, probably it has a profound impact on me because, you know, he's describing his entrepreneurial journey and how challenging it was and all the ups and downs and crazy experiences that he had to go through to get to success. And that one of the things he says is, you know, one of the number one things you need to do as a CEO is to manage your own psychology. That is the number one thing, manage your own psychology. And that's probably advice that we could all use, whether you're a CEO or not, mm-hmm. uh, just really manage your psychology, manage your mental health, make sure it's in good shape. Uh, other, and, and when you do that, you really are unstoppable. Mm. And I tell my clients that they're the CEO of their own little company yeah. and it has one staff member and one executive board member, and that's them. So I think that does apply to everyone. So thank you for that. And last but not least, what's one piece of advice that you would give 18-year-old Iman right now at this very moment, whether you think she would listen or not? Yeah, probably just one piece of advice I'd give is you got this. Mm-hmm. I think I spent, I mean, a lot of, a lot of young people go through this. So I spent a lot of my twenties, this with more self-doubt than I probably really needed. Uh, mm-hmm. and start probably should have been more, a little more confident and just been like, you know, you can handle it. Like you got this. Yeah. And it's that, that damn prefrontal cortex that doesn't <laughs> fully develop to your 25 or so that just kind of stands in your way sometimes. And, you know, it's like our physiology just sometimes we just, we have to, has to catch up so that we can make those decisions we need to make. But exactly. I, I hope she would listen at this point. <laughs> yep. Let's hope so. Well, Iman, thank you for being on the show for a fourth time. You're definitely an outlier and I appreciate it so much. It's always wonderful to talk to you and this won't be the last time. So you'll keep coming back and congratulations on that funding and the unicorn status and all the great things that are happening at Incredible Health. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and thank you for doing this podcast. I mean, hundreds of episodes. It's amazing what you're doing for the nursing community as well. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show. Remember, the show notes can be found at nursekeith.com. You can find Incredible Health in the drop-down menu, the resources menu at nursekeith.com, or just go to incrediblehealth.com and check them out. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching to elevate your nursing career, look no further than nursekeith.com, even though they have career coaches at Incredible Health too. And mention the show and you get 10% off your first coaching package and consider becoming a patron over on Patreon. I would really appreciate it if you would like to do that. We're a proud member of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. We're adroitly produced by the inimitable Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting and Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with this quote. One of my very, very favorites, this is by the musician Robert Fripp. May my living honor my parents. 
may my living repay the debt of my existence. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and my friend and friend of the pod, Dr. Iman Abuzayed, the CEO of Incredible Health, saying Arrivederci from? From Austin, Texas. <laughs> from Austin, Texas. Thank you so much, Iman. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we will catch you on the old proverbial flip side. Thank you.